Welcome to Books and Beyond with your host, Alison. Join us for half an hour of information, entertainment, reading recommendations and beyond. Brought to you by Auckland Libraries. I know this girl and she works in a library. No my and welcome to our special Books and Beyond Pride edition. This is your host Alison. And I'm delighted to be joined in the studio today by two very special guests. So firstly, I have Lil O'Brien, who's the author of Not That I'd Kiss a Girl, a Kiwi girl's tale of coming out and coming of age, published in 2020. It's certainly been one of my favourite reads over the last 12 months. And then we also have Tanya Johnson with us today. Now, Tanya's a tech guru, organiser of the Women in Tech New Zealand group and um, avid reader who, and now fun fact about Tanya is that she only read queer books in the year of 2020. So I was thinking, um, well firstly what I'm going to say is kia ora kia to ora. both of you. Hi. Um, Hi. And then I was thinking, um, Tanya, you could almost write a book about reading only queer books in 2020. You could, although I'll leave that to Lil, I think. Yeah, maybe Lil could write it. <laughs> yeah. So look, so um, you've probably guessed, today we're going to be talking about our favourite queer reads, both recent reads and all-time reads. So really excited about today. Now, the first category that we've been looking at, um, I love this this title of our category, it's called Books to Rip Your Insides Out. <laughs> so, gee, there's a few of them around out yes. there. Now, one of the first ones that we were thinking about is um, the book Stone Butch Blues by Leslie Feinberg. So that's a powerful read, isn't it? What do you reckon? Yeah, I just remember um, reading it and, and feeling like it was one of those queer books that everyone should read um, and not just queer people should read, but it kind of um, touches on a really important point in history in a particular time when, you know, people were being... Um, pulled out of bars and beaten up and abused and stuff for their sexuality. Um, that's not why to read it. Um, that's why the partly why it's a difficult read, but it's mm. also um, super beautifully written. Um, and um, it's it's um, fun fact for me is that I loved the book so much after I read it that I went on a years-long mission to try and find um, my own copy in print because there was... Um, the, the author, Leslie Feinberg, um, fell out with their publisher. Oh. And so it went out of out of print. Um, and so it was really hard to get your hands on a copy. And I searched all over the world whenever I was travelling, um, only to eventually find it at my local bookstore, secondhand bookstore, when I got back to New Zealand. Oh, yeah. wow, that's really <laughs> interesting. Yeah, because I know that it's really difficult to get hold of a copy mm. of it, isn't yep. it? Now, um, Leslie Feinberg... Um, did some sort of legal manoeuvre, um, I guess, so that you can actually um, print um, or download a PDF version of it now. Yes, which is, that's right. Yeah, is wonderful, and that means it's accessible and mm-hmm. and will be around forever, hopefully. I'm still looking for a copy, but I was glad that Lil got it. Um, it's set in the 1950s, and I like that it was focused on queer people who weren't actually able to pass as straight, even if they wanted to. Mm. Um, and one of the things that I found most interesting about that period was that there were there were actually laws and things like the ratio of women's clothing that you needed to be wearing as a woman to not be arrested when when they did these raids on on gay bars. It was really fascinating. 
Yeah, and um, is that where is there parts in the book where they'd get raided in the in the gay bar, and so then some of the the butch women would um, borrow. Yeah. Um, clothes from the drag queens yeah, and that absolutely. sort of thing. They, they or they kind of swap, sort of swap, swap pieces of clothing so that they would be meeting the, the right ratio for the gender that they were supposed to be. Mm. Oh, it's just, it's awful, isn't it? Yeah. And there's some, some of it is really hard reading, isn't it? But yeah. so important. That kind of brings me to a quote that I took out of the book that was lovely about gender, um, which is, gender is the poetry each of us makes out of the language we are taught. Mm. I think that's a great way to look at the fluidity of gender. Yeah, yeah. Wow, what a, what a trailblazer. Mm. It's a, an amazing one, isn't it? So now then another one that um, we'd been talking about was the, the Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo. So now I've got to admit here that I haven't read it, So, but it does look good. I mean, anything with um, kind of where you think you go into the book thinking that it's going to be all about a straight woman and too many husbands and then you get hit with some queer content is a good read by me. Um, And also I'm not really a big historical fiction fan, but I just found this like super, super compelling and a great... Um, a great protagonist that you were that you were rooting for, Tanya. You read it more recently, so you probably mm. remember more detail. Yeah, it was kind of very twisty and turny, a little bit of a kind of a thriller embedded in there because you're never quite sure why she chooses the journalist she chooses to write her memoir, um, and that only becomes clear at the end, which was really really good. Mm. So just to be clear, Evelyn, um, who is the, the the main protagonist, is an aging Hollywood movie icon, so, and it tells um, she's telling the story of her life to a biographer. Sounds great. And um, I imagine there's sort of scandal, glamour, but as you say, twists and turns. Yes, mm. and, a, and a good amount of kind of smashing of the patriarchy and going against prescribed roles for women in there as well. Mm. Oh, I can't wait to read that, actually. Now, and then we were talking about um, the one called Hood, too. And I, to my shame, I haven't read this either, so I'm learning a lot. But the Irish sort of stuff really does appeal to me. I mean, yeah, the Irish do know how to rip your insides out, for sure. They sure do, don't yeah. they? Yeah. This is one of my favourites, and it was so incredibly relatable. Um, it is about a woman whose partner dies, um, but the problem is that they were in the closet, and so how do you deal with widowhood when you're actually not out? Um, and it was it was interesting because her partner, who died, was pretty unlikable as well. So you're dealing with, with grief, but you're also not really that sad about um, mm. her being lost and it's about families and how we make them up. Um, it was especially good because it, it involves a fat character and they don't actually labour the point. Um, mm. But yeah, it's, it's nice to see that. Not everyone is always pretty and perfect in these books. Um, and it was really written... When you read it, you know that it's not written for the male gaze. It has some fairly descriptive sex scenes, which we don't often get in queer books, um, and just beautifully, beautifully written. It sounds fantastic. So that's another one on my my list. And now, um, this is the one where I was almost going to embarrass myself by saying I was reading the prequel, but I'm not. Um, <laughs> thanks for um, correcting me, Lil. But My Lesbian Experience of Loneliness. Yes, this is one of my favourites from the last year. Ali was actually reading the sequel, so I told her to stop immediately. Yeah, um, that's right, so I have. Yeah. <laughs> this was um, the, um, My Lesbian Experience of Loneliness is by Kabi Nagata, 
who is um, a Japanese writer, and this is a manga, um, so you do read it right to left. It took me a while to figure out, not the right to left, but the way that you read the pages up and down is all different. Um, I'm really showing my naivety, but um, I, I think this was the book probably in the last, in my whole life, um, one of the ones that has really rocked me back in my chair with the, the vulnerability she shows and the, and the rawness and honesty. It's about a young woman living in a city in Japan who's still very dependent on her parents, who she lives with. Um, she's dying to um, kind of gain that independence, but there are reasons that she can't, such as um, her mental health. She suffers from anxiety and depression, but she's desperate to, um, to basically lose her virginity. Um, and she hasn't even been kissed or or been touched before. Um, and so a lot of it is this kind of she's she's pushing against these these ties that she has and trying to kind of gain her independence and goes out into the world and takes a fairly unique way um, of trying to have um, sex for the first time, which I won't spoil. But um, it's really just kind of just kind of I, had, I clutched at my pearls kind of <laughs> like, oh, just I really felt for the character and I just hoped that I could write with that kind of vulnerability in my own writing. That sounds fantastic. And I'm really glad that you've um, alerted me that I should stop reading the sequel because <laughs> yeah, so I'm on the on the, the list <laughs> to get hold of this one. It's quite a difficult one to get hold of because it's got a so, copy, so I'll lend it so to you. <laughs> oh, thank you for that. Um, now I'm thinking that we kind of need to jump over to our next um, mm. top, our next category, and that's the one that um, you very cleverly have said. Damn, that's some beautiful writing. Mm. Although there's so much. That's beautiful about all of this writing, isn't it? So, um, where where were we up to with that? I think we 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 had Stone Butch Blues on that category as oh, well yes. because we we wrote a lot of categories, um, and we're going to put that up on the Auckland Library's blog, blog um, yeah. for this afterwards because we've got about ten categories and we knew knew we'd never get through all of them, um, such as made into movies and light reads. Um, you know, like books we were supposed to like but didn't. So all that's going to be yeah. posted afterwards. Um, but in terms of um, damn, that's some beautiful writing. Stone Butch Blues was the first on our list, yes. which we've already covered. Um, I would also like to raise Written on the Body by Jeanette Winterson, oh. who is a pretty famous lesbian author. She was also the author of Oranges Are Not the Only Fruit. Um, and I think I, 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 it's the kind of book where I pulled out lots of pieces of writing and kind of tucked it away in a, in a scrapbook and I really liked that um, the gender of the narrator is never um, stated explicitly but you just inherently know that it's a queer book it's it's just super queer it's a, it's about love it's very romantic very beautifully um, written it's it's kind of like one of those books where you're like god this book is gay mm. just like it's mm. so gay mm. the way that just like you know it's all about, you know, the phrase, I love you, and why is it that the most unoriginal thing we can say to one another is still the thing we long to hear? And I'm, you know, you've got to be in the right mood for those kind of soppy things, but I was I was right in there. Yeah, oh, she's a fabulous author, isn't she? Mm. And, oh, now, were we going to jump to This Is How You Lose the Time War, which sort of yeah. fits into two categories a bit, doesn't it? It it's, does, but we can chat about it. Yes, because yeah. it it's, well, from what I know of it, it's so beautifully written. Yeah, I think it's technically sci-fi, yes. but it's mm. unlike anything I've ever read before. It's it's very abstract, it's lyrical. It took me a little while to actually work out what was happening, um, but it's basically love letters between two warring factions or two, or two, two warriors on warring factions. 
someone described it as killing Eve, but with time traveling pen pals. And I think that's absolutely Fabulous. perfect. <laughs> yes. Um, it is absolutely gorgeous, very romantic lesbian sci fi. Yeah, I because um, I had was saying earlier I struggle a bit to read sci-fi, um, mm. and that's I feel that's a weakness in my writing, and so normally I I wouldn't have picked up this book, but I happened to read a few extracts from it, and it absolutely blew me away. The writer, it's just so beautiful, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's like a mix of poetry and 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 narrative. It's just. Unbelievably beautiful. Yeah. I think if you get a, kind of a third of a way in and it's not hooking you, then then maybe it's not for you. But but I, yeah, I blew me away. Suspicion that it, it will hook people, and I love the whole secret notes yes. kind of thing. Yeah, there's something yeah. quite old school about that as well. There was one note where where she had written a love letter, but she had written it in the rings of a tree, which meant that that yes. love letter had to have been written over a hundred years, and that. Just the romanticism of it really captured me. Yeah. Oh no, it's a it's a good one, isn't it? <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Do you think it's not everyone's cup of tea? I um <laughs> I, I read it because Tanya told me to, and I kind of hated it <laughs> the whole way through. Um, but I I could it is beautiful writing. Um, there was just something <laughs> jarring for me. But they are kind of, I, I kind of like the antagonism that they had and the way they loved each other. Yeah. Oh, good on you. No, that's that's really interesting to to have that mm. opinion. Um, now, speaking of tea, like I said cup of tea, we've got the fabulous Michelle tea. I mean, I don't yeah, I don't think you can talk about queer writers without talking about yeah. Michelle T, um, who, you know, she wrote, she was a working class feminist queer writer, you know, she she um, wrote Valencia and Rose of No Man's Land, which were great reads. Um, and my particular favourite of hers was How to Grow Up, a memoir. Um yeah, she she just and she does lots of cool stuff. She founded Sister Spit mm. and she worked with the City Lights um, publisher and she just kind of like been right in there in the queer community for many years. Um, and she's you know talks about motherhood a lot as well. Um, I did get her latest release, which was called Against Memoir Complaints, Confessions and Criticisms, and it's a collection of her essays from over the years. And I didn't like it as much. I was a little bit bored, um, but I did love all her other um, pieces. Mm. I'd seen um, a few years ago. I saw Sister Spit um, mm. live, and they oh, it was fabulous. Yeah, really something. Yeah, sort of a real radical experience. Mm. Lo- absolutely loved them. Um, I guess we could wander back um, to a, a classic, really, and um, to Lord or Audrey Audrey Lord um, Zami, a new spelling of my name. Now mm. that is a beautiful beautiful piece of writing isn't it yeah it's you know it's kind of there's a lot of intersectional feminism and she's she's written all kinds of things not just books um uh it's it's about being you know black and being gay and being poor and there's just um there's kind of too much to say about about her um but but this particular book um is kind of about her childhood and her coming of age and it has one of my favorite poems um hey there you with the stars in your eyes love never made a fool of you um, which mm. might tell you that I'm a little bit more of a cynic towards when it comes to romance than Tanya with her love letters in the, in the rings of the tree. <laughs> yeah. And I wonder, she sort of did 
intersectionality before mm. mm-hmm. it was done. You know, she was ahead of her time yeah, in, bef- in many ways. Before white woman got yeah, before. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So much of the book kind of featured that intersectionality and how things were different for, for her because she was not only queer but also black. Yes, and had so many struggles, yeah. really, didn't she? Yeah. Really, it's a, a must-read, Absolutely, I, I feel, in, yep. the, in the canon. Yeah. Oh, now, we were going to talk a little bit about the Argonauts. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is good, because we talked about motherhood a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, I immediately, I read this kind of on the subway on when I was living in New York on every subway ride, because it, it's not necessarily a book that you can read from cover to cover. Like, it does challenge you, or it certainly challenged me. It's kind of a, a strange mix of... Um, memoir with a little bit of kind of theory. Um, it's kind of it kind of crosses genres, um, but it, and but I immediately went out and bought a copy to send to my um, friend who is a, a newly a new mother, a, a queer mother, and um, but but Tanya, um, the, the opening scene is particularly <laughs> striking. And Tanya, we've would you like to describe that? Uh, <laughs> not in detail, but um, the opening paragraph is so incredibly sexually explicit that I was stunned because we we don't get that in queer books usually. We get the same kind of things that we get in movies, which is, you know, two women gaze longingly at each other, their hands touch, and then it kind of fades out. And we just we just don't get any details, and we certainly don't get anything raunchy. And mm. this literally comes into it in the first paragraph. The first, yeah, that's so pretty I, bold. I kept reading it hoping there'd be more, and uh, spoiler alert, there isn't really, um, but it's a good hook, and it's an uh, amazing book. She's ferociously smart. Yeah. Um, you feel I, kind of simultaneously dumb and smart while reading it. Like, yeah. dumb because you have to think so hard to understand it and smart because you're like, yeah, yeah, I'm reading this It's weird <laughs> and enjoying when, it. When a woman becomes a mother, often that kind of becomes the, the focus and the forefront and, and you forget that she's a, a person with other interests and mm. dreams and goals and things. And, and Maggie Nelson just absolutely does not do that. She is unbelievably smart, still interested in all of the things and being a mother is just one part of her. And there's a lot of talk about gender because um, her, yeah. her partner is, I can't remember, non-binary or um, I'm not sure, but mm. there's a lot of talk about gender and, how, and you know, the influence on different kind of gender expressions onto, onto motherhood and, and how you make, you know, how you, how you have a child and things like that. Sounds amazing. And so that's a, a must read as well. So we'll get that on, up there on our book lists. Mm. Now, I'm kind of wondering if we could jump over to sci-fi and fantasy. And as I was saying before, this is a challenging area for me to my um, detriment or, you know, I need to push myself. So I need to do some learnings, (laughs) plural here. So Tanya, and you're the sci-fi queen really aren't you it's it's kind of my favorite genre sci-fi fantasy um anything dystopian and it's an interesting one to include in queer categories because Mm. sometimes sci-fi crosses different species for example and uh, one of my favorite books is the murderbot diaries and it focuses on a bot who has no gender and is kind of baffled about the idea of gender and why humans are so hung up on it um which is super super interesting really love um, reading books like that, and I pop it in as queer because it covers things like non-binary um, folks, which is really great. Um, Murderbot is about this bot that watches tons of TV, thousands of hours of TV, and kind of starts becoming a little bit more thinking and feeling, and it's really interesting. I think <laughs> I think it's a little odd that all of the protagonists I, I most closely associate with uh, are bots. It's a little. Yes. A I little wonder odd. is that because of your 
your tech um, career, do you think? Um, <laughs> possibly. <laughs> That's because she's a psychopath. Oh. <laughs> Rude. Yeah. yeah, I think sometimes humans are a little um, hard to understand mm. and to puzzle out, and I can really relate to that. Watching what people are doing and how they how they're interacting and being a little baffled by it all. I'm, I'm the person that spends a lot of time staring at my shoes at social events. So, you know. <laughs> um, another one that I've just finished, I actually peeled through all three books in three days, was The Long Way to a Small Angry Planet. It's the Wayfarers series, and it's a little bit of a space opera, which is a hard, a hard kind of area of sci-fi to get into sometimes. But it's so easy to read. Um, my favourite characters were a kind of mid-70s lesbian couple who've been married for 50 years and they've got a pile of kids and grandkids and it's all just treated as completely normal. We're that far in the future where relationships between people of different genders, people of the same gender, and um, people of a different species is just totally normal. Um, so that's that's pretty awesome and I looked up the author afterwards and it looks like she is queer so that's probably why she writes queer so well. Yeah, and that's um, wouldn't that be a great place to be um, in the world that none of this was anything out of the ordinary? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Looking forward to it because it still very much is out of the ordinary. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I think if you're going to create a, a fantasy world or a fictional world, sometimes it annoys me that they have to put some of the same prejudices in there. Mm. It's like, yes, we know that, you know, people were probably still homophobic or women were getting raped back then. But why not just take it out? Why not just give us a break? Yeah. Let us have a yeah. good read. And um, have a sort of not just a regular adventure yeah. or something. Because mm. there is always that kill your gaze trope, mm. really, oh, isn't there? Ali, that's a whole oh, other podcast. We need <laughs> to do yes. Don't even get me started. Okay, yes. <laughs> Moving on. Let's move on. So what was the next What Did you read? Uh, yeah. Well, you've read. Well, we, I've read Masses. so many. But, yeah. but talking about that whole killing your gaze trope and the the fact that this is this is often centred as a challenge in these books. Unfortunately, my other two um, ones here is the Trader Baru Cormorant, which is hard sci-fi. So that it is a rules based universe, and and she comes from a place where she actually come, has two fathers, um, and she moves to to a different place on this world um, after after her world is conquered. Um, and she kind of starts working against the system from the inside, or at least that's what we hope she's doing because they've only written one book and she's quite uh, an interesting protagonist. She's not always good. She does some very, very bad things. Uh, and so in my head I'm kind of hoping that that's because she's working against the system from the inside, but I suppose we will see. And um, are we expecting a, um, a sequel? Yes, we definitely are. Oh, I would, good. I would love to see a sequel for that. I was really interested to see that the author is a man because this is one of the most complex female characters I've mm. read in quite a long time. Yeah, and the sequel's long overdue. I think we should start nagging the author maybe. Yeah. Oh, good. Let, we'll, yeah, we'll start a, a petition or something <laughs> for that. Yeah. And then um, you've got a, a queendom. Yes, we do. We have a queendom, and it's a queendom without an heir. So that's a little bit problematic when um, the the queen at the centre of it is queer. Um, it's not, oh. not that easy to produce an heir in, in this kind of environment. The only way I could think 
perhaps you do it in these this day and age. Your ear would be your corgi. <laughs> I think we should suggest that. Perhaps we should. Yes. Yeah. Mm. And I'm not sure if there's a sequel to this one yet, but it is a massive lesbian romance. Um, I'm glad I read it on Kindle because I suspect that the book itself is large enough to kill you if you try and it's, read it while you're what while book you're is in bed. This, it is called The Priory of the Orange Tree. And um, it is about a queen who basically falls in love with her handmaiden. Um, and it is very much not an accepted thing in their society, mm. particularly because her one job in life is to produce an heir, which oh, is a little bit sad. It's problematic, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. And this is a little bit kind of fantasy as well. It's, it's full of dragons and all sorts of things and lots of, lots of very strong female characters. Wow. That sounds really good. Yeah. So, look, what we think we might do um let's jump over to our next um category and we were looking at sex ed yeah we did yeah. we did also look at a category like whew, sex scenes but then we <laughs> thought it would just be too hard to negotiate on the radio yeah um, so i thought instead we thought we'd talk talk about a category that's really important um and is um hopefully exploding with more and more mm. books. Um, Tanya, as a parent, has got the most insight on this, although she did read um, recently um, lend me one of the books on this list, list called Girl Sex 101. Considering we're dating, I did consider taking it as an insult, um, but I decided to swallow my pride. It is a fantastic kind of how-to how to, how to book about sex, but it's kind of all kinds of things from like like STIs and toys and it's got a kind of a narrative running through it as well mm. and it's informative for for all kinds of people of all of all genders um would it be good for young like a YA to, or is no. it no oh okay no it's that's very good to know. adult right that's good to know i mean mm. i would have liked it as a teenager yeah. but not but yes for, this is an, <laughs> yes, this is an adult sex ed one right um, okay. we do have some ones for the kids which Tanya you are probably best to talk about yeah it was interesting trying to find sex ed books for my kids um, as they were growing up because I wanted something that was very open and didn't just talk about the heteronormative things about mm. how you get pregnant, for example. And I found a series of books. So it starts with one called It's Not the Stalk, a book about girls, boys, babies, bodies, families and friends. And it's aimed at preschool and primary age kids. And this is the first book that I got. Um, and <laughs> uh, my kid ended up educating another much older kid, unfortunately, at one point about how babies were actually made, which was embarrassing. Um, there are three books in the series, and in fact, the third one, which is for high school people, just reading the reviews are hysterical. Lots of very conservative straight parents freaking out about their kids being oh. taught immoral things like queer sex, or just the fact that queer sex exists. That makes me love it more. Exactly. Mm. In mm. fact, I think I bought it based on those reviews. Yeah. But you can sort of... This, this, Aspects of society, or particularly perhaps in in North America, where communities would freak out, mm. yeah, that sort of thing. Um, unfortunately, and, and mm. just quickly, another one that um, I only just read about recently on Auto Straddle last week. Um, it's called A Quick and Easy Guide to Sex and Disability. It's aimed at adults, um, and it is a graphic novel, I think, or by a by a disabled cartoonist, um, and it talks about you know. Um, all the different um, kinds of 
um, bods who want to connect with other bods but who often get left out of the conversation when it comes to sex. So that's going to be next on my list to read. That looks like a really important book, doesn't it? And there's just not enough of that material around. So, yeah, I'm going to um, check that the library's got that because it's one that I'm sure we will, we should have. Um, yes, yeah. but we will if if we don't. I'll I'll make sure of it. We've now we've got about a, a minute and a half to go, so I was kind of wondering if we could talk about you know those ones that you were meant to like but you didn't. <laughs> There's a few Uh-oh. of those, weren't they? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, what were we talking? About? Uh, I think oh. Tanya, your most recent one was Untamed oh, by Glennon right. Doyle. <sighs> oh yes. It's so big side, big side. So yes. privileged suburban white lady. Uh, it re- it's really frustrating, and I think it's frustrating because she released two previous books, and the first was pretty much like My Perfect Christian Marriage, uh, and then it was My Perfect Christian Marriage After Infidelity, and then it was My Eyes Met This Woman's Eyes Across a Room, a and room. I mm. realised I was gay, and it's, it's just so incredibly dripping with privilege. Um, it feels like a book made up of quotable quotes that people want to share. And I kind of wonder whether I, I'm, I sort of um, fear that she's probably made quite a bit of money. Over it, and I wonder if it's slightly exploitative. Mm. I just mm. don't know. But as you say, the, the privilege is just yeah. being shed Dripping off it, isn't it? Mm. Oh, goodness. And then um, now the price of, of salt. Um, <laughs> Controversially, because I love Carol the movie. Yes. Um, and I force everyone to watch it. In fact, I can clear the room from talking about Carol too long. But the price of salt, Patricia Highsmith, I don't know. I mean, I, th- I, th- I kind of wonder if it's purposefully and we're not supposed to really like the characters. Mm. Obviously a super important book, what, considered one of the first lesbian fiction books with a happy ending, but just didn't love Mm. Yeah, and I found the the power imbalance a little bit yeah. hard yeah. on that one. Yeah. Oh, look, we could just, I think we could talk for, for hours. Mm. We need to come back to this. But to our listeners, we will put um, these lists up on our, our blog. So thank you so much for tuning in today. But thank you especially to Lil and Tanya. And happy Pride. Happy Pride Long. to you. Happy Pride. <laughs> and kakite uh, anō. This programme was brought to you by Auckland Libraries. Find us online at aucklandlibraries.govt.nz and catch the programme next Sunday at 9.35pm on 104.6 FM or anytime online at planetaudio.org.nz slash books and beyond. Every day, every day